All right, welcome to Duckman TV and Weekend Warriors today. Got a special guest on tonight. So the first sports edition for the year. We got Mark DePauli. So he is the lead commentator in Blacktown District Soccer Football Association. He's a media services officer and digital journalist, and uh, he's doing a pretty good job. We took over his lead commentator, I believe, last year in the Blacktown Premier League. So his young guy is on his way up. And he's been doing stuff with the wire as well to SER on 107.3. Mark, welcome to the show. Welcome to Thank Duckman you. TV. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, heard good things about this show and uh, had a brief look at some of the stuff uh, on there. And I'll be watching along a whole lot more now. Um, we've been chatting, you and I, about, about sports and commentating and the like for, for many moons now. So it's, it's good to finally put this to a face-to-face conversation. Absolutely. So I'm really looking forward to it. So you're only a very young guy. How old are you at the moment? Uh, I turned 21 this year in June, but so 20 at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a huge thing getting into the commentary game uh, so young. There's not many people that do it. So even pundits and that stuff, guys, will get into punditry normally at the end of their career from for injury and stuff like that. So how, how did the path come about that you got into doing this? Uh, so when you say doing this, do you mean like in my position now? Like how yeah, did I get here? Yeah. yeah. How, how did that okay. come about? Um, so I, I was somebody who uh, who uh, I just didn't necessarily grow up watching football. What I did was instead I, I had an interest one day in in what I used to call soccer back then, uh, and I, uh, I looked up world's world best football player or soccer player, uh, and I came across a couple of compilation videos. And as years went on and, and I would watch more content and, I, and I've consumed thousands of hours of content. I don't listen to Spotify on the way to work. I listen to, uh, I listen to uh, rap re- recounts of games and things like that. Uh, and so that's where a lot of my time has gone. And, and what I found myself doing was that that commentary analysis aspect of football was just as important to me as actually watching football. And what I could learn from that helped me to then learn about the game itself and it was about learning how legends talk about the game and then I would find myself looking at goals and being able to and this is something a lot of people do but me in particular I love being able to associate great footballing moments with great bits of commentary and that inspired me and and when I would put two and two together I'd be watching games with my family and I they'd have to tell me to shut up because I'd be saying things based upon my research or what I'd be watching. And, uh, you know, I'd be sitting through a, uh, holding a thesaurus and, and trying to figure out what new words I could do to describe a pass or a certain type of shot. Um, and I was like, okay, why don't you do something with this? So I bought this microphone, which is sitting here. I'll try not to put any feedback as I put it down. Um, and I started a YouTube channel and I would do, I uh, would put myself on a live stream uh, and talk over A-League games, EPL games, La Liga, Serie A, French League, UCL, UEL. Um, and I built a portfolio. And then when I came to here, the BDSFA competition, uh, it was originally a Facebook advertisement for uh, the ground announcer job, which involves playing music and, and pronouncing names and, and the numbers of the player who scores. Um, and and to, to, to show that I could use my voice in an elaborate way, in a confident way, I plugged my YouTube channel. And they said, hey, we have a position available. We think you could be really good for it. And here we are still. That's a good story how that come about. So I saw that there are a couple of people in the association that knew I was doing commentary. I commentate uh, rugby games and stuff like that. So you take the opportunities to get presented before you. And they told me about that. And I thought, oh, that's a good gig. I've already got stuff on. So I'm excited that someone young and vibrant and that uh, loves the game has got the opportunity. And it's a, it's a great opportunity. It's a stepping stone now to do bigger and better things. So uh, when did you first like get involved with football from a playing point of view or anything like that? Sure. And just before I answer that, I, I will say, um, and nothing as the question at all, but I'm just trying to say BDSFA and Spartans here in terms of this commentary position, you, you could you could describe it as a stepping stone, but for me, I just want to be really clear that uh, for this place has been such a uh, such a like everybody here is a, is a friend of mine, and I and I trust the people I work with, and I love the people who I work with and who I've met through it. And I don't see it as much of a stepping stone because I do feel like what I'm learning here is just as applicable in um, in in an A League setting 
um, or, a, or an English league setting, uh, but it just it's just at a different level with different people, with different amounts of people doing the same job. Um, so what I think this is is, is learning uh, as, 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 as football in Australia develops and I develop along with it. Um, back to the question uh, that, you, that you asked, uh, and I might have slipped my mind for a second, but I, I, I grew up with football. I played it very young out in the Kenthurst area. That's where I was living at the time when I was uh, before 10. I, I gave it up, chased around a couple of other sports for a little bit, was terrible at cricket, didn't make a single run, and the very first over I ever bowled, the very last ball went through the wicket uh, between the second and third wicket and like the actual stumps. And I decided from there with the rest of the season still to play. I never wanted to play ever again, ever. Um, and I found my way back into football through a bunch of friends who had kept playing their team. And I was like, I, I miss this. Um, and then I, and I sort of gave it up when I became a goalkeeper and then forgot that I had uh, Maltese jeans and didn't go past five foot nine. And then the position I'd trained myself in for the last 10 years was not one that I was really sort of built for. And that's when I really sort of moved into what I'm doing now. Yeah. So how did you get into commentary and uh, digital media services, multimedia stuff to start off with, did you? What, oh. Obviously, that's a decision you need to make before you get to the end of year 12. So you've completely fallen in love with the sport and um, obviously decided something you wanted to do. I knew, look, I only do this as a part-time. It's a hobby for me. I'd love to do it full-time, but it's not on an opportunity at me for the moment to be doing it full time. I'm 44 and I fell in love, I reckon, with commentary and all the analytics of the game when I was about 12 or 13. So mm. that'd be a similar reflection for you, how you... Yeah. Well, I, I, I study, uh, I do a journalism degree. I'm in the third year of it at UTS. Uh, absolutely recommend the course to anybody. It's part of the communications degree there. Journalism is a major. Um, and uh, I, I knew my, my English results coming through school were, were, were good, and I was always a confident speaker. Um, and, I, and I feel there has to be a sort of social aspect to commentary in that you can say things that um, is able to get something out of the, the people who are listening to you. So that's something that, something that sort of resided with me, resonated with me. Um, and, 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 I, and I went from, from there. And uh, it wasn't until, though, the my second year so i'm in third year now like i just said but it wasn't until my second year of uni when this opportunity originally arose um and and when you mentioned multimedia and stuff like that that was things like producing written work and that was producing uh, audible work uh and and visual work so i was doing a mix of that i i I write as part of my journalism degree excuse me i produce a lot of social media related posts uh, interview related stuff uh, here at BDSFA now that I've got the role and I've now moved into a full-time uh, position here. I, I now manage our websites and our social media pages. I run a podcast here as well. So minimum three sets of interviewees per week. Um, uh, and you know that, that involves me planning, planning who comes in and, and asking questions and then editing all that together, you know, using things like non-copyrighted music. That, that's sort of where that multimedia sense comes in. Uh, so you know we're doing a we're doing a visual slash audio podcast. I'm writing here, so that's where that sort of multimedia terminology can be applied. Yeah. So you've come from the Hills District to the Blacktown District, uh, as I came from the Pean to Blacktown, and they have the district that I came from in the Pean was a very British European style of football. Come to a very much more multicultural mixed style. They play a mixture. of uh, and that would have a lot to do with the mix of players as well, the, the race backgrounds and just the different philosophies they've got in the different countries they come from. And uh, that, that was interesting for me because it was a whole different, gave me a different perspective on coaching and everything I'd been taught and played with and that over the years. So have, have you found that uh, an interesting challenge and different in your preparation to set up for match commentary and stuff, looking at absolutely, stuff. absolutely, yeah, I, and I'm glad that we've both found that maybe not maybe not difficulty, but a challenge, I guess, and that's a great challenge to take on. Um, for example, if if you play uh, or if you're watching um, Marion, for example, or you're watching then Prospect, uh, naturally. Uh, the prospect is tied has a very long history with 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 greeks uh with greek australians 
Prospect, on the other hand, it is uh, sorry, not Prospect. Marion, on the other hand, uh, had a mix of Kurdish, uh, uh, South Sudanese was very strong uh, there. And this is just going off the top of my memory. There was at least, I think, I think three quarters of the defence was with South Sudanese as of last season. And the challenges that come with that is understanding, yeah, how they play football differently, um, but also like pr- pronouncing names purely and simply making sure that when you mention their ethnic backgrounds, you're not mentioning it in, a, in an offensive way, for example. And that's if someone could say, oh, Mark, you're, you're Italian, Maltese, Australian, that's fine. That doesn't upset me. But if I was to say that about someone perhaps who their heritage comes from a, a family member who's uh, perhaps not around or not in the picture, that could be seen as something that's, offensive to them so for me that sort of challenge is, is something I that that's why I come to games three four hours early and plan to speak to every single player in a starting 11 and bench for both sides because I want to understand you know about them I want to learn about players at, at this local level I can't just look up where they've come from what day they were born that's not something that you can do higher levels yeah sure but that's something I embark on and that's one of the challenges that I naturally took on from, I think, the second game I ever commentated. I realised that's just how I had depth. And that's by learning about players. So that's one of the great challenges I've had. But yes, ethnic ties to, to certain clubs, which I think is a wonderful thing because it's about community um, and, and tradition. I have no problem with that. Um, and I think that's been it's been great to be a part of it and accepted into there and people who are understanding of what I'm trying to do and what I'm trying to portray when I speak. So I, I can't thank the the, 20, the 18 different Premier League clubs we've gotten, the warm welcome that they give me and allowing me to understand each of their players' story. Yeah. So I've got different friends that I've coached in different clubs. I coached in the Premier League reserves for two years at Ropes Crossing, uh, as well as like whatever lower levels have done there as well at Ropes Crossing and the playing competition. And some of my friends still playing in the Premier League competition and they were highly impressed with the background research you did on finding out how they've been playing through the season and a little bit about them. So they they were very complimentary about that, that you did that research and that you cared enough to get to know their names and a little bit about what they were about and have a chat to the guys. That that really was engaging and they were quite um, endeared by that. So they they said to take that forward whenever I spoke to you and just mention that and compliment you on that. So that's definitely one of the strong points you bring into the commentary piece so thank you which which is the good point for you so who let's get let's cut down to the nitty-gritty who is your favorite club team like let's look worldwide and then in the a-league the, the funny thing is i've actually started when people ask me that in the last year or so i've started saying shrewsbury town for a third <laughs> division english side um or i could go back to my 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 native uh, Venice FC uh, or Trieste FC in the third and fourth division of the Italian football leagues, respectively. Um, but but in reality, uh, I am at heart, and even though I do work a couple of doors down from the Wanderers training camp, I am a I am a Sydney FC fan. My my interest peaked um, when the combination of me really getting into football. Um, and really good crowds, really good coverage, and me, me being able to understand what the, the world sort of looked like, maybe around age 12. This is what news looked like. This is how our sport gets covered. And then, of course, Alessandro Del Piero signs for us in 2012, and it's it's huge, and that's where my interest explodes. Um, so that was a natural affiliation for me, despite having lived in, in Western Sydney all my life. Uh, in saying that, the club team that I support mm, in England... I don't, I don't like this in England, in Spain, in Italy. But I guess the team that I will put aside most time to watch is probably Arsenal. Um, but, but still, look, I, I am a Sydney FC fan. Um, and I, I always want to be a Sydney FC fan. I happily will wear the jerseys of other clubs, not my rival clubs, but of other clubs. and will buy them and hang them up proudly. Uh, but, but I like to say that I'm a Sydney FC fan. And that is my one true club. Uh, that's a good call. So I say in the A-League, I'd, my favourite side is the Central Coast Mariners. I won't wane from that at all. I think it's important for us to support the local league and too many people just happily say, oh, it's not as good as the EPL. Of course it's not. It doesn't have like 120 years of tradition or whatever. So like you can draw parallels with that. So my favourite side in the world, I'd say, would be Glasgow Rangers. 
just from where my grandparents parents were born and stuff like that and the heritage lines and just all of that sort of stuff so they'll always be there and the mariners will always be there in england i follow an odd one i follow cheltenham town so oh yeah. wow yeah so but i followed them when they were down not doing well i followed them when they were up in league one before down league two into the voxel conference or vanarama leagues and then back up mm. to league one mm. now if you have a look on YouTube, they've still got one of the highlights and put Cheltenham Town free kick and you'll see about six guys run over the ball left and right, left and right, and then someone hoiks it into the stand and everyone's cheering. So <laughs> they got beaten in that game against uh, Portsmouth 6-1 or something. It was a cup player to try to get into or a playoff game to get into the uh, League One a couple of years ago. So, But, yeah, so... That, that's my extent. I like it. I like Australian football, and I think uh, more people need to follow it. It's, it's uh, struggling a little bit and needs a bit of love. Yeah. And that, and that, look, that's a conversation that we can spend hours and hours talking about as to why we're in this predicament. Um, but I probably best for another time. Yeah. But I would love to see it get back to its, I think it's had probably two peaks, you could call it, when we hit round one Sydney Derby, 61,880 people. And I think probably the first 10 years really was a pretty consistent peak. Uh, so if we can get back to those sort of levels, I think we'll be doing really, really well. Yep. So have uh, you watched much of the A-League since uh, Paramount have taken over the broadcasting? Eh? Or what do you think of the product they put up compared to like what Fox were doing? Like- okay. Uh, I, I, like, um, I like the media-based setups. I like who's there. I absolutely adore that Simon Hill is back absolutely adore it and it was a shame that we went 12 to 18 months without him um uh i'd like the coverage like for example it looks like every other league where you film the game filming is perfectly fine quality is perfectly fine i I like that we're back to having one or two games free per week i do like that um i wish there were more but that's just look this is a five to seven year deal depending if they want to extend on it i really hope they do uh, and I, I do hope that, uh, you know, we can sort of progress and grant our, our, our fans and Australian people more opportunities to watch their teams for free. Because, it, look, I'll be, I'll be honest, I don't, I'll, I don't own a Paramount Plus account. I, I chip in with my friends and, we, and we, we sort of plan which games and uh, friends and family, which games we're going to watch and who can be logged on at one time. And I'll watch this game, you watch that game. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think a lot of people do that. And not many people are really to fork out $112, whatever it is up front, especially when you have to do it once per year and you have about three or four different streaming services to do it for. Um, so I don't think that's a bad thing, even though that might get me in trouble. Um, but that's, look, I, I like the coverage. I'm glad that they're willing to invest. Like any manager that you give a job to, I think Mikel Arteta is a great example. I think you need to give Paramount Plus time to implement what they want to do. There is a plan of attack to improve the quality of the league, the quality of well, the, the amount of people that we have in the stands and watching along each week, we need to let that plan implement, take you know, plant those seeds and let that let that grow. And 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 I'm fingers crossed, absolutely hoping the Paramount can be the one to take us there. And let's hope for a long and prosperous relationship with them. Yeah, well, they've got a long term deal here now, so you know, you give it time. It's in teething stages. It's going to take time to develop, like Foxtel did, but they they had been around for a while before they put together the package for the A-League, so they had a fairly good handle on what they were doing with that. Yes. Just give it time and it'll come there. So once upon a time when you are a bit younger, you did a podcast with Craig Foster. I saw that. I was highly impressed that you got the big fish and you got to have a chat to Craig Foster. There's He um, definitely has some very strong opinions on football and uh, human rights matters in particular. And... Uh, he should be listened to and spoken spoken to with great reverence because of what he's achieved. He's played with the Socceroos and did a lot for the country. So how did you find speaking to Craig and what did you gather from that whole podcast that you did with him? Craig Foster and the 44 minutes that I spent on record and a couple of minutes before and after is, is a wonderful human being uh, and, and should be adored by footballing fans, players, uh, but also beyond that, with his work outside of football now, should be adored by the country and the world. And he, he is, uh, and in the countries where he has had an impact on the individuals' lives, he, he is adored and deservingly so. 
Um, I, I think his work has somehow gone under the radar, underrated. Um, and, and it's time he gets the recognition he deserves, not just for being, like, I know he's won, you know, most, most handsome dressed Australian celebrity and he's won, and he's won all these accolades when it comes to football and he was a former super Yes, of course. But I, I think his most powerful work tenfold has come from what he's done in, in the last probably five to 10 years. Uh, he, he's, he's genuine. Uh, he treats everybody, and that includes me. Like, um, he, he treats everybody with the exact same respect, uh, and and has time for everybody. And I think that's 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 something you should. I shouldn't even have to say it because you can tell that, that there are there are people who are you know, considered refugees, perhaps. And, and the eyes of some Australian people, they are not uh, the most liked people but he 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 sees that and he's he, part of his work a lot of his work is making sure that these people live lives that are as prosperous and as blessed as ours are as everyone deserves so look it was no surprise when when he came in and he was a gentleman and he was willing to give me time and as i spoke to you before we we press record here i hit him i i you know i, I contacted him via linkedin and he responded and he was it was wonderful in his response uh, and it was an honour to be able to speak to him about football, and and it would be great to be able to delve in more into what he's doing outside of football as well. Well, he is. He's doing a lot uh, to to raise awareness of like footballers that are in terrible plight, where like in Australian footballers have gone overseas to wherever their country of origin is, or whatever the case may be, and some of the people that ended up in like rather terrible political predicaments and stuff like. So Craig's been a great advocate for that and trying to push for uh, helping the human rights element to this and help get people home and help look after people where other people might not worry about the issue altogether, might not get attention at all. So uh, it's uh, it's good what he's doing for sure. And uh, he's got strong opinions too about the second division, So, which I, I would love to see personally a, a second division get established, but at the moment, I'm not sure football's in the world's strongest place financially to be able to do that. And I think we need to be in a good place going forward before we do this because we don't want to see clubs fall over. Uh, would you like to see the introduction of like an MPL2 or something like that or a um, level below to A-League where there's genuine promotion and relegation? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I think any, any football purist and, and they get sarcastic maybe not sarcastically called euro snobs but the those those people who watch exclusively european football and choose to exclude the a-league i think it would go a long way to shifting that crowd and, and whether you uh, whether you you know wrongly call them euro snobs or not there are reasons why they don't watch the a-league and i think as much as we might go ah, oh, watch the a-league what's wrong with you it's your own country's game we should be looking at the reasons as to why they aren't and so one of the major reasons why they aren't is because the team that finished last each season will be back here next next year, all to play for in the wooden spoon. Now, it's something that in our country, uh, we, we've always, that's the way it is. That's why we have a grand final system as well, for example. But in order to, you know, you're, you're appealing to a crowd uh, who are trying to compete with what is overseas, the overseas market, and we're trying to take eyes from that to here. There are people who are staying up all, all, all hours of the night, myself included, to watch European football, uh, and there's no reason why we can't get them to watch something on a 7.30 night on a, on a Friday or Saturday. So that market is there, and I think the second division is a way to also get more money into the game. It will, again, it will take time, probably a decade, before we get sort of even playing ground. Um, but with it comes changes to salary caps, uh, with it comes changes perhaps to a grand final system, if that is to, exi- if that is to exist or not. It, it, it allows teams to, that have been here, and yes, maybe they, have, they, they were born in the ethnic ties that we wanted to eliminate because of the reasons we don't need to delve into. Um, but, you know, they are there and they have fan bases and they have following. And we don't need to create new teams to just jump into the A-League straight away and you know, there's no sort of history behind them at all. I'd love to see promotion and relegation. I don't see why there's uh, that doesn't exist. I, it would be great to see it. Yeah, I think there's clubs there already that could easily fill the positions or voids of a second division if it come up for sure. Um, some of the reasons why the old NSL was 
dissipated for financial and that, they're fair enough. And then there are reasons that we both know, so political and ethnic, which were not of uh, a good nature to introduce that in. So that instantly had people say they were never going to probably support the A-League. They were very upset that they were excluded and didn't feel like everyone said the A-League's supposed to be inclusive, but it, well, it clearly looked like it wasn't inclusive. Um, so going forward, uh, we'll get on to the next topic. What's the greatest highlight you've had to date in football? And what's your greatest highlight? Personally, as a commentator, what so far do you come across? Okay. I, I did a YouTube live stream of the Barcelona 8-2 game against Bayern Munich. Yep. That was a highlight in that I got to commentate 10 goals, first of all, in 90 minutes, so more than a goal every 10 minutes. Um, what else have I done from a YouTube perspective? Um, well, actually, well, in terms of uh, here for BDSFA, I, I, there was a game between Rivers and Schofields and Mount Druid Town Rangers at, at Schofields Park. River went down three 0 inside the first half on their on their own on their own turf, clawed it back to three all in the eighty sixth or eighty eighth minute, and then a sixteen year old in the Premier League competition scored the winner off the left flank, Moses Enriquez, um, who I saw the other day actually, and. He's like, I remember distinctly because that night it was windy and rainy and it was on a very new uh, lift system and it was rickety the entire time. I've just got a glimpse of my sunburn here today. Uh, it was very rickety the entire time. Um, and I had my I had my birthday celebration but, uh, afterwards. And I didn't get to help with any of the setup and I remember feeling bad, but I also remember thinking, oh, I might actually have today off and I won't feel bad about not helping my friends and family set up for what's happening tonight. And then the game happened, and I remember that first goal going in in the, in the second half when it was to make the 3-1 and the comeback started, and I was like, there is, a, there is a reason, there is a footballing God reason why I'm here to commentate this game today. And to have a 90-second minute, four-goal second half, you know, from 3-0 down comeback was one of the greatest commentary moments I think I will ever have. I lost my cool. You can see the camera shaking because I'm jumping up and down on this scaffolding that's you know, I, I probably was rusted out and not put together properly because it was just shaking around and my voice went extremely high-pitched and, you know, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, great memories. You can see the smile on my face when I just want to think about it. It was one of the last games we did as well before the four-month lockdown this last year. My greatest footballing moment was being able to watch... It, it's strange because we would have been probably in Leichhardt or in the city watching this, but Italy winning the Euros finals last year you know, Italy haven't competed. Well, maybe Italy hadn't been in the finals since the humiliation of 2012 in the Euros as well at the hands of Spain, Fernando Torres, and et cetera. That hurt. Uh, and I wasn't really, I was five when uh, Italy won the World Cup in 2006. Plus, I can't really talk about that because of Grosso's dive. So against Australia and then Australia exiting. Um, but, you know, this was one where we were in lockdown and we were, we were watching it as a family. And, and it was just, you know, two penalty shootouts. No one had ever won two penalty shootouts to win the competition. England in their own home soil, you know, our fans were being severely mistreated before, during and after the game. It was odds against us. First minute, one minute 28 before we conceded the first goal. A comeback, you know, possible red card. Like that was, for me, that's wonderful. Um, tears involved. It was just beautiful. And I, and I think actually not being out with, my friends and, you know, perhaps being out having a good time at, at 4 a.m. in the morning, 5 a.m. in the morning in, in some random street, you know, with flares going off everywhere like there was in Melbourne. I think something about being with my family in that time was really wonderful. And, I, and I'm glad I got to experience that with them. So 8-2 Barcelona, a comeback with Rivers and Schofields and Italy winning the Euros, a pretty big highlight to my footballing life. Yeah, they are pretty good highlights to mention, so... The last 8-2 anything someone sent me was when the Mariners got done 8-2 by the Jets and one of my friends dubbed that up and sent it to me. I just deleted it, didn't even look at it. I went, what's this and sort of first Locked. goal? I went, yeah, go yeah. on. <laughs> yeah, you're on Facebook now, see ya, buddy. Yeah, see ya, mate. <laughs> yeah, you were all right a couple of years ago, now you're not. So, um, in, in football commentary, I had uh, different role models. I'd say one of my role models you mentioned before, we've got, Simon Hill, and then you've got like the great Martin Tyler in the UK. So I followed a lot of English League way before Foxtel come around at the Watch Channel 2 about like 
1 or 2 a.m. in the morning to see it or highlights on Sunday morning when they were on. Um, and had Les Murray as well. He was the doyen of the game, unfortunately, before he passed away and left us. Uh, who would be your biggest role models and who's been the biggest influence so far in your career? Uh, Hill is huge. Um, 2005 uh, World Cup qualifications against Uruguay, of course. Um, like that, that, that commentary sits in my mind forever. And, th- and then knowing that he'd only been involved for a couple of months beforehand. So Australia was new to him. Now I think he's, as basically an Australian citizen now, we're going to claim him like we do most New Zealanders. <laughs> um, you know, that probably means more to him now. And where the Socceroos sit, Matilda sit, probably affects him more now. But I think he really translated what we all felt, what I didn't, I was for. But, you know, what, what, what Australia would have felt in that moment for so many different reasons. Um, and Craig Foster that night yelling out Johnny Warren is, is, a, is a big thing that sits in my mind as well. I used to pass the time every now and then by when I used to be in school. I was graduated 2019, of course, but I'd, I'd watch the shootout multiple, multiple times over when I got, you know, boarding class every now and then. Um, that's a big thing. Martin Tyler, um, his Aguero moment is a big one. Um, when, uh, ooh, hang on. Uh, when Sunderland beat Manchester City before they got really, really huge under their owners, current owners. G, he's around the goalkeeper and he's done it. That's a great moment. Offside, though. But it was a great moment. Um, I think the, the, the verbal, dream-like, adjective-rich, uh, you know, picture-painting that... Um, what's the name? Does. Oh, what's his, what's his damn name? I've now forgotten his name. Um, I can't remember his name. The, the Roma Barcelona comeback, the, the Roma Barcelona comeback, the great Gordon Rome. I can't remember his name. How have I forgotten? <laughs> oh, forgive me, but his name's complete. Everybody knows who I'm talking about. Um, another wonderful commentator. I think the way he the way he uses words is wonderful. Uh, I just I, I appreciate that so much. I've learned words to use throughout that. But I think particularly Simon Hill has been a big one for me, just because it's close to home. Yeah. Um, and in terms of actually influencing my commentary. Something that I pride myself on is is pronouncing names correctly of all ethnic minorities. I think Portuguese is really interesting in the way that they kind of create sh sounds a lot with their names uh, and how R's become H's, for example. So things like that really interest me. So a lot of ethnic commentators who I I will listen to, even purely down to changing my commentators on FIFA, as in the video game, so I can (laughs) listen to what names are pronounced like by, by their native countrymen. And women, that's also a huge thing. I couldn't put a name to any of those guys, but being able to hear what it sounds like through them, big thing for me as well. Yeah. So who do you think, which commentator do you think loses it the most in the A-League and really just gets the crowd bouncing? I, I would say at the top of my list at the moment would be Brenton Speed. When he, yeah. when he yeah. loses it, he just sounds like the whole crowd's going to explode and his head's going to pop off. And Yeah. It really yeah. buys into it, and it, it just gets you excited to listen yeah. to the commentary. Brenton Speed is, is a wonderful person that we should talk about because he is so multi-talented. He does AFL. He's done rugby league. He's done Olympics. He's done our football soccer. Uh, I think a lot of credit should go to him. I wouldn't say he's a jack-of-all-trades master of none because I think he has mastered. I think he's mastered commentary, being able to commentate sport. He's done cricket, my word. He's done... Uh, Big Bash, I guess you could separate that from sort of test cricket and, and, and Big Bash. He's amazing as well. And, and you're right, he does get you out of, your seat, out of your seat. Yeah, 100%. So what would your long-term aim be? Where would you like to see this path go? See, you're early in your journey. There's guys like oh, I've had the absolute pleasure of interviewing Gordon Bray, one of the rugby great commentators. They call him the voice of rugby. And for a rugby union point of view, he was my role model in that. Um, and he's uh, 74 years old now. So Gordon's been doing this for over 55 years. So, like, so imagine 55 years down the track and you're sitting around and you're passing on information to someone else. And they, where would you like to say, oh, yeah, I've done like a FIFA World Cup or like you want to like... Well, 
hope a shootout goes and uh, won the grand finals and Blacktown goes to the penalty shootout and the streaker yeah. runs through the field and <laughs> the ball hits them or something, they have to retake it. Or <laughs> Yeah, well, first of all, I would love for my beloved adopted love Shrewsbury Town to be in the Premier League in 55 years' time. <laughs> um, my, my goal is to is to is to commentate in Australia. I would love the opportunity to commentate any sport. Uh, basically, get paid to commentate is 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 what I aspire to do. Uh, I, I have been working my hand not not as much as I should, but I'm, I'm I'm attempting to sort of branch out into different sports. But but really, I think I have to come to terms with the fact that football is my plan A and my plan B, and even my plan C, and it's where I want to end up. And I think what I need to do is, oh, what sorry, what I am doing and have been doing for a number of years now is I've basically been telling myself, okay, well, if you're not going to do another sport, then you need to become the best in this. And I'm, I'm, there's plenty of things I've got to work on. There are things I, I model up live and I'll apologize for them and make some sort of joke out of it. I'm, I'm still finding my style. Even after having done probably 50 games, I'm still finding my style. Absolutely. Um, I'm a little bit humorous as much as I am excitable in, in my commentary. Um, so look, my, my goal is to is to really take commentary uh, further and, and do it for our A League, do it for lower level leagues. In if I have to move to England, uh, my mother my mother won't like this, but hopefully she hasn't. Hopefully she's gotten out of the car when she listens to this. She loves to listen to my podcast in the car, so we're making it long enough so that she gets out of the car by this point. Um, and so if if I have to move to England and I'm doing a, a lower league gig. And I move up the ranks with the teams that get promoted every year. I don't mind, but it's it's in the end, it's 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 what's inspired me the most, uh, and it's my plan A, plan B, plan C, and I, and I I will make it work. Yeah. We'll make it yeah. work. So now you're very engaged in the Blacktown Premier League, commentating the Premier Games, and you did Eastern Creek Pioneers and Prospect United yesterday. Result four one. What'd you make of that game? Eastern Creek are very strong. Eastern Creek are very, very strong. So the, the majority of the team from Eastern Creek came from a uh, Blue Mountains-based competition. Yeah, they had their – look, they won't tell me what they are. I don't need to know. But they had their issues there. that They couldn't resolve something. So they came here. Eastern Creek welcomed them with open arms. They came in. They considered nine goals in 12 games in our cutoff season last year. They scored 35 in the same time and finished first in the 12 games before we got cut off. You know, the cutoff is – uh, eight times two, 16, so 16, and then a couple more finals games. So 16 games. We almost got to the end, but we weren't quite there. Um, but that's where they finished, and they look just as strong this year. So they're now three games undefeated against Prospect. That includes two wins. Um, and they, they look the best in the Deploy PL2 competition, that's for sure. Yep. Our PL1 competition starts in, or now, a week and six days. Yep. So then we get to vary it up between PL1 and PL2. So uh, my son played last year as goalkeeper under 20s and reserves at Blackdown Premier, I suppose. So I did get to see Eastern Creek. He played at Eastern Creek with that side the year before. And for whatever reason, I don't know why, the under 20s travelled and went to Premier Spurs. So they just did. The Blue Mountains Prem side come down, come into the competition. I think it's been good for the competition. They had the very strong Premier League and Prem 2's comp. And... Um, Probably disappointed that COVID ended it the way it did because I would have thought that Eastern Creek were a shoe in. They would have been a nice fit into Prem's one. So got to do it all again. I saw the interview you did with the captain the other day. It's a nice little chat. He's a very engaging guy as well. So uh, he's awesome. Yeah, I didn't see the one you did with uh, Prospect, but I'm aware that you did one with Prospect as well. And I saw uh, a chat you had with Annie Montgomery the other night as well. So. I've been trying to hit him up myself to have a chat. Hard, yeah. Harder to get hold of than uh, wanting Lassiter's reef out in the bush. So, yeah. <laughs> so what was that like having oh, a chat to Andy? Oh, well, first of all, I'll have a chat to him as well. Um, and from what, I, what what we've done here now, I can absolutely recommend coming on here. Um, that's the first thing. Andy's great. Um, I, you know, I talked to him about his history and coaching, his philosophy how he approaches games is he more of a manager or a coach and for me the difference is you know a coach is going to tactically outsmart the opposition where a coach is going to make you and i quote slide tackle an airplane 
um, and, and make you sort of believe that that you can achieve anything, man, manager sort of thing. Talked about that yeah. um, and and his affiliation to uh, Rangers as well. Yeah. Uh, so he's great, great character. I, I'm really grateful for the positioning of the chairs that we had set up because those two guys are about six foot three uh, and somehow I've made it look like there was not that much height between us. So I've done very well there for myself. Uh, but literally, honestly, like uh, 100% really great guys, him and the captain, Alex Godlin, uh, and I wish them all the best for the season. They've had a tough year last year in uh, MPL2. They love when they all got wound up. They were sitting second last, uh, still only first up and last down at the moment, isn't it, MPL? So they would have survived the drop uh, from the look of it, unfortunately, because no one went up or down. St. George didn't go up when... Sydney FC probably could have gone down from MPL one, and that has a bit of a tough break for a couple of sides who were like really dominating or whatever in their division. So another side two probably could have gone down and mixed it all up. So how do you think that worked or didn't work? I think that was good. So there's been no promotion relegation from last. Oh no, I, the um, I'm fairly certain that uh, they're now in an MPL one space. So oh, I'm not oh, sure how okay. that's, I'm not sure how that's, I honestly don't know how it's worked. I really don't because of course they did finish second last, uh, but they're playing against MPL one teams. So uh, I, I don't know. I actually don't know how it's worked. I'll be honest. I, when I, when I've sort of tried to inquire about it, it's not really made sense. Uh, they're in an MPL one space. now. I could be completely wrong as well, but I don't think I am, which is um, either way. Uh, with the competition they've had up in, in round one, it didn't, the result didn't go their way. They had a, a spell of 20 minutes, so I've heard, where they, they lost the game. The game went away from them. It's a shame um, against Northern Tigers. Um, and they've got three away games uh, in a row, and then they come back here. They have eight out of 10 home games in the second half of the season. So you'd hope that we can get a run in. But, but in terms of the competition they're facing, they are expected to be pushing hard for, for finals, but it will be hard to get there. So uh, I, I'm hoping for the best for them. They've got, from what I've seen here, and I've watched and filmed a lot of training for them, uh, the, the, the squad is getting along really well, really well. Uh, and I see it particularly in the warm-ups when, you know, you're still mucking around a little bit, but, you, you know, you're playing football still there. They're, they're getting along well. The new guys have come in with good experience and goal-scoring and goal-saving abilities. So they just need to gel. Yep. Uh, yep. And I think they'll be okay. Yep. So I'll go back to uh, the local Premier League again. So back to PL2. So outside of Eastern Creek, so I'll run through the other results for you. So have a bit of a look at a quick chat before we come on air. Minchinbury knocked over Glenwood, which surprised me, 4 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Last time I coached against them, very young side still developing, and I thought Glenwood, Glenwood's problem then looked like they were a bit of an older side, so that's a little bit of a surprise. Oakfield got up 3-0 against Quakefield Tigers, and uh, some Pats who've been developing for a few years. They won the under-20s a couple of years ago, and we're in the state championship. I think they got to the final. They beat uh, Blacktown Premier Spurs 3-2. What do you, what do yeah. you think of those other results? Oh, we'll go oh, to the under-21s, actually. Okay. United beat Rivo 6 0. That's a bit of a surprise. Mm. Uh, other than that, yeah. What did you make of the breakdown? The other Premier League results, Minchinbury yeah. up over Glenwood. Yep. Uh, well, look, we'll start with that one. Minchinbury up over Glenwood. Now, Glenwood uh, have admittedly had a couple of, well, actually, not a couple, multiple changes. A lot of their squad have, have moved away from football, actually taking up, you know, sort of health and fitness in other areas other than this this wonderful peak skin sport of ours. That's their choice. They've had to bring in players a lot externally as well as promote their reserves in order to build a team. So there is going to be recovery. Uh, Minchinbury were, were not one of the better teams last year, and it's great to see them doing something different. I spoke to their captain, who was a really confident bloke, and, and he said that, Things were looking better this season, and, and to put four past put, put, put four past Glenwood is really great for them. Uh, I'm sure Glenwood need time to gel, uh, and that, that will take time. Of course, remember flood affected really high in this area at the moment in Blacktown Shire. 
um, and teams are struggling to get onto the pitch. Um, so the more time they need, the more time they get, the better they'll be. Uh, Oakville United over Quakers Hill. Now, Quakers Hill Tigers are notoriously a young team, and in a couple of years, I really do think they'll give you a hit in their stride. Oakville were a good team last year, um, and I think they've gotten better. Now, they've also got a friend of mine who I um, who, who is playing in their midfield. He scored and missed a penalty. He didn't tell me that he missed a penalty. So, Yannick, uh, if you ever happen to stumble across this, or I'll send a link to you. Um, I can't wait to cover one of your games one day. In fact, I could probably check it in this little uh, piece of paper here when I get to cover you guys. Um, feel feel free to drop his name because I know a couple of people at the club who can roast him a little bit. No, no, Yannick. Yannick, so he plays sort of eight and ten, an advanced eight, and then number ten. So um, he's a very good dude there, a very good friend of mine. Um, and it's good to see him score on his return to football. Um, but also Oakville, yeah, doing really well. And, and especially since Oakville have been the m- most affected club due to floods, 13 metres underwater their home ground is. We hope that by round five, which is when we move away from Blacktown football action, um, they'll be back to their best. And again, uh, we've, we've offered our, our help. We want to volunteer and help them out. Um, if they do need help, please just ask. Please, please just ask. Uh, and finally, back down some Pats versus Premier Spurs. Now, Premier Spurs had a big clear out as well, similar to Glenwood, uh, but that was more by their own choice rather than Glenwood just having players leaving on their own decision. Uh, Spurs do look better, to put it to the team that finished second place last year, but Blacktown and Pats did admit that even though they were training in the same sort of intensity and their captain had the same sort of belief, the teams, you know, a couple of the best players did move to, you know, I guess they would, they would have called it greener pastures. So in, into an uh, into a, a Premier League space, a PL1 space. So for Blacktown and Pats fans and their players, it's good to see that they can still get a win in round one, but it's going to come harder than when they finished second last year. Yep. So but in in, in um, summary, Minchinbury Jets, Blacktown Premier Spurs look a whole lot better. Quakers Hill Tigers have a, have a way to go before their young team really gets up to the, the physicality of the competition. Glenwood Redbacks need time to gel with their new team. Premier Spurs look better. Blacktown and Pats might have gone back in terms of their, their, their quality on paper, but if they can put results on the board, then they can put results on the board. And finally, Oakville, great to see them doing well amidst adversity. So who's in the Premier League ones this year? Who's sitting up in that? You're aware of, well, I haven't had a look at it, but like stab Blacktown workers. Uh, it, it'll, um, well, based upon, based upon history, the best two teams would be Ponds and Marion. Yep. Um, you know, that's become a derby match of sorts. Um, workers uh, are becoming a better side. Um, Doonside Hawks have become a better side. Uh, Polonia have, have cleared out their coaching and uh, sort of physio and 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 uh, fitness fitness. Uh, I can't think of the word conditioning sort of uh, mentors. They've cleared that out. And the, the captain I spoke to is a, is a former MPL player who comes from high standards, and he said that he was helping implement that there. So there's a new philosophy of determined excellence at Polonia. It's good to see those guys looking, looking at least sounding better. So there's a lot of good clubs. I think I think the competition will be more tough this year in Depuy PL1, uh, but I still do think those top two teams who just have the pulling power yep. are still going to be two, the two teams to beat. Yep. Well, Marion's been right up there for a long period of time, and... Uh... The ponds have been working their way up there. So the last couple of years, when I left, they were sitting up around the top. So they're pretty much the benchmark now. Yep. I actually think their long-term aim is to get into MPL. Don't know if it's realistic or not. So because of the criteria that's in place. So, but other than that, I would say they've got numbers, they've got the money, uh, they've got the right bloke, the president. They're in the right ground. So size Schofield's old ground. It looks pretty good that little stadium when they get it packed up. So. And uh, yeah, I think they um they look good. Uh, I know Ropes Crossing's got a new Prem's coach this year, so they've even they're looking all right. So it'll be an exciting competition. So uh, who do you reckon's going to win the A League this year at the moment? It's it's hard to look past the best defensive team, yep. always. Uh, but whoever finishes second has made it to the grand final every single year. That looks like it will be Melbourne City. Uh, and you can count now on the experience of, of Melbourne City after their, you know, their grand final loss and win in the last three years that they'll that they could take it out. And I think on their day they're they're better. Um, but Western United look really strong. Um, I think the Wanderers in time will be be strong, but they need to stick with the coach, not clear out all their players. 
I think Sydney need a, a clear out of source, whether that's at the top or that's at the uh, at a team sheet level. I don't know. Don't want to talk about it. Really, it's not worth okay. it. Um, uh, it. Wellington are in a good a good bit of form. They've got to carry it through to the end. Yep. Uh, but I really do think it's between probably your, your Melbourne clubs. Your, actually, your three Melbourne clubs. I would say at the moment from scoping from the outside, and I don't like any of them, so I'll just say it unbiased. I'd say Melbourne City's up there again. But they've just put the numbers on the board, getting results when they matter week in, week out. They've got the depth of players. Yeah. And uh, Western United's getting runs on the board. MacArthur, a little bit hit or miss to do anything. Mm. Melbourne Victory's got the right players and the right coach, so if they can get it all happening at the right time and get it all mixed together and rolling forward now they'll do all right because they're still what, sitting in third position or something like that at the moment so they're right up there I would think at the moment you've got a Melbourne City Melbourne victory grand final probably uh, I made a bold prediction at the start of the year that Perth wouldn't make the top six and Sydney wouldn't make the top six and at the moment I think they might both come off Could they just need to re- I think they've got older squads and they need to rejuvenate the squad so that's all it looks like. They haven't changed anything too major. Haven't changed the philosophy. So, I made a pretty bold prediction on on my Instagram story Ooh. Yeah. Uh, that Sturridge wouldn't score more than ten goals. He's on zero. Yeah. Um, I, I just didn't think it worked. I think I think the 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 betting issue that he had and the injuries he's had, while not fortuitous, of course, has has really slowed down his career, and that's a shame for him. I just sort of saw his attitude when he when he came and arrived, and, and the way he sort of interacted with fans, and I and I wondered if that was what I wanted to see, and and, and I guess my prediction is is going to be right unless he comes out with it. But I'm not proud of that. I want everyone to succeed. I'm just putting it out there. But yeah. I guess that was my. We talked about predictions. That that was mine. Uh, I think Sydney. Uh, I am a Sydney fan, but I think Sydney have this new signing in Luciano Narsing, a lot of uh, European experience. Um, could be a good player. Looked really good in the derby when not match fit. Started, uh, you know, we, we've now scored seven goals, conceded none in our last two. One was an Asian Champions League qualifying match uh, and one was uh, our most recent game against Perth. Um, I, I do think Sydney will make the top six. I think, top six, I think Perth are less likely. Um, but I, look, I'd, I'd say, yeah, it's between those Melbourne teams for me. Yeah, Popovich, Popovich, lots of experience. Melbourne City, just too much quality. I really think, uh, looking at Wanderers too, like I'd like not to say, but I really think they've got the right players or they're getting the right players. They're building, so they just need to get the right person to run the joint. I think that might be Mark Rudin when he gets a full pre-season, gets to keep the team and add a few that he wants to add to it and maybe put the broom through a couple of guys. But uh, Jack Robwell... I'd say he's a good signing. So if I haven't signed him long term, I think they need to look at that because he's probably just he's his injection, prob- what he's doing. He's probably he's probably the the best player in the league, and I mean that. Yeah. He, he we got to remember the, the, the level that that guy was was touted for yeah. when he when he broke through, and even though it didn't work at Manchester City, attitude problems aside, whether you got a bad attitude or not, he he's levels above what we what we have here. Yeah. Uh, and I think he's showing it. Wasted at centre-back, in the back five. Needs to play in a more advanced position, uh, at minimum Six eight, eight, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. I'd like to see him even uh, sort of playing as, as the most advanced eight, really, probably not a 10. Um, I'd, I'd love to see him there. So uh, I really do think he's he is a very, very good player. But, you know, been out of the team for a little bit now. Wonders are struggling. Yeah. As quality and output, you can't. You can't replace the quality and output that he's got. So his service, more watch them play, service is good. They just seem to have moments where they have a lapse and that lapse hurts them. So similar to the Mariners, I'd like to say the Mariners are going to be very good. I think we're still short a nine, although Jason Cummings, he's been like the best addition. So Shrewsbury Town, I'm telling you. <laughs> that's my team, man. Yeah. Two against Liverpool. I mean, that's serious. <laughs> Nah, the A-League looks good. I, I think the foreign players we signed this year through most clubs have made a valuable input to the teams they're in. Yeah. So they might not have been Alessandro. Everyone's waiting for another Alessandro Del Piero. I don't think mm-hmm. there'll be one for a long period of time if there is another one at all. So he's like a once-in-a-lifetime guy that will come into the A-League. So 
Well, look, uh, Ronaldo's grandparents are Australian citizens who reside in Perth. <laughs> if he wants to switch allegiances when he's really done with Portugal and he wants to play for us at age 45, I don't mind. He can do it. Yeah. CS7 is watching and I hope he is, you know, like... Yeah. <laughs> still time, mate. Still time. That'd be nice to play for Tasmania United or Canberra <laughs> or something like that. It's got 10 or 11 goals on debut. <laughs> Then we'll see yeah, right. some free balls in. So. Yeah, that's right. But he still misses about four free kicks. So yeah. that's, that's so the way it is. Who do you reckon is going to take out the EPL? I mean, uh, oh, oh, hang on. Oh, it, it instinctively became Man City because for the last five years. Okay, here, here's the thing. Liverpool are hungrier. This, this is really, and again, this is a conversation for another podcast. This is probably Liverpool's second last season where this squad stays together, really stays together. And even if they retain everybody contract-wise, everyone's going to be around at 32 years old, which is when you'd expect most to start dropping off. And they they are pretty reliant on pace. So, so pace is, is is something that's well not reliant, but the pace is a big part of their game. So when that does go, that'll be an issue for them. So I think there is a desire now with already one trophy to their name. It's really sort of it's like a, it's like a smelling salt. It's really opened their their lungs for more for more for more trophies this season. I think they're a big shout for the UCL. They're experienced. They've won it recently. I think Liverpool can can close the gap, but if anybody in in history can hold them out, and we've seen it so many times, it's, it's Man City. They are notorious winners, and we are blessed that Jurgen Klopp came into and created, accidentally created the perfect counterpart to Man City. And despite the fact I'm calling it a perfect counterpart, and everyone will agree with that, they've only stopped them once in from five attempts, really, when they've been competitive. Once in five. And, and we're seeing that as good competition. So look, Liverpool's last big chance, I think this is the best they've looked. In a while, um, no one's really injured. I think this is their last chance to do it. But I, can they do it? They have a game against them, and I think they can win it. Yeah. So yes, I think they can do it. So, Liverpool's got the goal advantage. Liverpool definitely need to win. If they don't beat Manchester City, Liverpool's biggest problem, and I'd say in the EPL, they've been the side I support the most over the years. The biggest problem I've seen is Liverpool have lost competitions, not from losing too many games. Back in the early 90s, they could have won the Premier League and they had about 12 draws. They only had about three or four losses. They were right up there. They end up finishing sixth or something like that. They had 12 mm. draws out of 38. It, it just ruled them. So if they had picked up, like, turned six of them into wins, that's an extra, like, 12 points. They probably yeah. would have finished second. They would have really pushed for the title, but been a few times they've, they've done it. They... Uh, they hurt themselves more than the opposition they're playing against. So, yeah, that's pretty tough. Mark, thanks for your time tonight. I appreciate it very much. You've got a good insight into you and uh, your career, and I wish you all the best. And I can't wait to collaborate with you again. Hope to catch up in person. So, yeah, thanks for having a chat on Man TV. Oh, it's been a pleasure, and I, and I recommend anyone who's who's made it this far, and I hope you all have to, uh, if you're asked, please come on here. Uh, support the the channel out uh, like subscribe share to people on facebook of course uh or, or like the page i guess you can't really subscribe to a facebook page um uh please if, if you're happy with me saying please check out the bdsfa facebook page bdsfa uh sort of a white and, and red football looking logo that's where we do our, our match of the round live streams that i that i commentate um and you know this is a competition that's dedicated to progressing local talent and giving local talent the opportunity to feel like and play like they are at the highest level and that's what they deserve people deserve that when they when they've worked as hard as they have and we're, and we're building footballs for the future and people who are interested in football in the future so uh, it's been great to be on here thanks very much and yes we will collaborate again i'd love to be back on here i uh, can't wait to meet you in real life when we when we cross paths and thank you genuinely for having me absolutely no worries and that absolutely as mark said that's what this page is about trying to promote grassroots sport. So I've been a grassroots sport person my whole life. The podcast name Weekend Warriors just for the audio podcast. It come about because it represented like I felt like I was the weekend warrior. I treated it like my EPL and everything every weekend. I went out to play and it was never significant or anything like that. But it was to me. Every game was a World Cup final to me. 
And uh, it is to a lot of people who play sports in many, many different sports across the district, men, women, and children. So, and this is what it's all about, giving them an opportunity to have a voice and promote what they're all about. So thanks again. And yeah, absolutely cannot wait to catch up with you in the future. Uh, thanks for your time tonight. Awesome. Thank you.